So I've been quite fascinated with the psychology of generational communication the past few years. I found it quite curious that baby boomers seem to consistently have a bone to pick with millennials. My bias here is that I'm a millennial. I wasn't just content at asking for sympathy. I knew that I couldn't communicate empathy and couldn't ask them to empathize with me without knowing why they seem to almost systemically have a bone to pick with millennials. This led me into studying much more than the relationship between baby boomers and millennials. Um, I went back to the generation that raised them, uh, the generation that raised that generation, uh, the shift between those three generations, Generation X, uh, my own generation, of course. I studied even more in depth and I even went into Gen Z or what is unofficially called iGen right now. Anyone really under the age of uh, 24 to 22, under those ages, it's debatable when generation switches happen. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, not a uniform science for calculating these things. Um, probably the most fascinating piece of information I found is that um, generations are now 15 years, where generations used to be 25 years. Um, there's obviously some debate over those exact numbers, but um, I did find it quite interesting that um, that seems to corroborate the idea that the world is moving faster. Um, a lot of this seemed to shift around Generation X. And what I find really interesting is for the first time in history, at least American history, we have three generations in a row that all have the rebellion tendency. Um, baby boomers quite interested me because they didn't really have that rebellion sense in them. They didn't have a rebelliousness. They didn't want to rebel almost at all, which was quite interesting because they also made up the, the hippie movement, the free love movement. Um, but you got to understand that that was such a large port. That was such a small portion that had a large impact we think that it was more than it was, which really took me by surprise. Um, in fact, the whole reason Reagan got elected was because this free love movement was about individualism. And he was really speaking to these people that were, you know, getting into their 30s for the first time in history. And um, that's systematically the time that most humans start uh, questioning what does and doesn't work for them. And Reagan spoke to them to the core for their individual nature and won over um, that pretty much the entire free love movement 
in their entry to what I call maturity of adulthood in the 30s, in their 30s, which was quite an interesting um, phenomenon that I discovered in uh, a documentary called The Century of the Self. That was, I think, in the second or third episode of that. That might have been in the fourth episode of that four-part documentary, The Century of the Self. You can find that on YouTube, freely available. Um, I think what I took from this the most is um, the baby boomers were raised by a generation that was raised in the Great Depression. Um, They also fought the biggest war the world had ever seen. They, for the first time, and, you know, anyone alive in their history, uh, modern civilizations were threatened as they knew it. There was a lot of fear, a lot of depression, a lot of a lot of turmoil. It was a really trying time that they were raised through in their formative years, um, in all of their younger years, and in through early adulthood. I mean, the generation that raised the baby boomers was very anti-debt, which is very, very ironic because um, that was also known as the silent generation. So the baby boomers weren't really taught why their parents didn't like debt. They thought, you know, they were missing out on opportunities. They, they got to make up whatever why they wanted because their parents were notoriously silent. What's really interesting is, is the reason the silent generation was in the situation they were, was raised in that situation, came out the way they did, was because the generation that raised them caused the huge booms in the 10s and the 20s and the early 30s before the crashes started happening. Um, The Great Depression was caused by, you know, a really big market crash. There was actually a one-two punch. There was actually a crash that happened in the Hoover administration that followed in FDR's administration. They were the one-two political punch Left wing, right wing, attacking Wall Street, attacking Main Street in tandem against each other. It was quite fascinating. Amity Schles goes into that in her book, uh, The Forgotten Man. I really enjoyed that. Um, But what I find really interesting is the baby boomers fell into the same tropes of the generation that their parents left them with. So it's the same tropes that the generation that raised the generation that raised the baby boomers. Um, The baby boomers ended up just like their grandparents generation, essentially. And that is quite amazing to me because um, they, they didn't know not to fall in those tropes simply because their parents' generation was silent. They were uncommunicative. It wasn't that they were necessarily hostile. They just didn't want to talk about it. It was silent pride. And now the baby boomers are exercising what I call loud pride. They're the generation that is starting to die out. Um, 
they are notoriously unhealthy. They are notoriously um, impoverished for the wealth they have known in their life. So they are bad with their health. They are bad with money. Uh, and they are bad with communicating. Um, and that's kind of confusing because their parent generation was bad with communicating because they were too silent, but they happened to have wisdom. Whereas the baby boomers look better at communicating because they're louder. It's like just because you're talking doesn't mean you're communicating. So they're louder. They talk more. They say things more often without wisdom. They have experience and experience is a key ingredient to wisdom, but without self-awareness and without awareness of oneself and the empathy for those that came before them and those that are coming after them, you don't really have that wisdom. And that's tough because they are probably one of the smartest, most intelligent generations that have seen one of the greatest rises in humanity and even spawned minds like Steve Jobs, who was a baby boomer and he sparked interest in generation X and most importantly gave the tools to the millennials that the millennials have you know run rampant with the computers everywhere nobody knows how to use computers better than millennials just as nobody knows how to use mobile technology better than Gen Z we see this increase in brain development and um, desire to mature in uh, desire to communicate in the millennials and Gen Z that we've seen in no other generation. They get louder younger. And I think that's because there's so many bad habits to be learned. Um, our generation doesn't have any examples in our personal lives for the most part i'm sure everyone can say that they have an example in their personal life but really truly somebody who is you know truly self-aware it's it's few and far between and that's tough because everyone is loud now everyone can be loud with things like social media and i'm seeing a huge disconnect that the the baby boomers fell into the same tropes as the generation that raised their parents and generations were more into you know having having children younger back then so you had generations that you know raised raised each other consecutively now you have pretty much overlaps with such long generational growths of it's you had that chance to have consecutiveness. Now we have overlap since it's 15 years at a time, you know, only the oldest of generation X um, raised, you know, the oldest of the millennials, but most of generation X is raising uh, generation Z, which is really, really interesting. This is the first time in human history where we have this kind of overlap in uh, generation. So most often generation X gets lumped in with uh, baby boomers and millennials get lumped in with Gen Z. And I see this as a very, very important 
uh, attribute that we need or a very, very important detail that we need to pay attention to is not to turn this into an us versus them thing. And that's what I see this coming to. This is why I had the question of why do they believe these things? So I could have empathy with the baby boomers and I'm realizing that most of Gen X fall into the same ideas and beliefs that the baby boomers do. I see the biggest disconnect comes with the generations that were raised with technology in their formative years. I consider formative years to be between the ages of, you know, birth and about 10 years old, give or take a few years. Those are the formative years where your brain is in constant beta state, absorbing everything and what your environment is, is going to define how you think. And millennials and Gen Z have been looking at decentralized space Albeit this decentralized internet has become a lot more centralized than ever. Um, but I remember when I started using it, it was very, very uncensored. It was very, very freeform. It was very decentralized in nature because no one had tried to control it yet. Since it's centralized in nature, control was inevitable. Um, and that's, I think what's interesting is, is the millennials are trying to understand, do we agree more with generation Z and their idea that, you know, centralization doesn't matter? Um, or do we agree more with generation X and the baby boomers? This is very, very important because it's essentially ideology versus ideas. And the internet is an incubator for ideas. Ideology gets shit on all the time with the internet. Like, it's, it's interesting how intolerable the internet is for beliefs and how much it tolerates ideas in the way that traditionally ideals don't tolerate ideas, especially when the ideas directly threaten their belief system. Ideals and belief systems really like ideas that corroborate their beliefs. They dismiss, discard, or blame anything that tries to contradict their ideals. And this is this drastic shift where we have, you know, young people that are overtly spiritual but don't give a crap about centralized religions. And I think this is really, really pivotal for the millennials to focus on because Gen Z, whether or not they're 24, 22 right now, the fact of the matter is they're coming into adulthood. Like the, the oldest of Gen Z is now at the age where they are graduating college or just recently graduated, just out in the workforce. The fact of the matter is they look and feel more alone than ever. And they're changing the landscape in ways that things aren't black and white anymore. And it's very confusing because what they're doing is they're ethically advancing all sorts of things. I mean, they've ethically advanced prostitution in a way that blurs the lines between what is acceptable and unacceptable where it's no longer black and white. I was just discussing recently the fact that when you have an Instagram following as, you know, an Instagram model, 
you're essentially taking the idea of a trophy wife, which is essentially the prostitution of marriage, not all the time, but in most people's minds and by traditional uh, practice of the nature, they've taken this trophy wife in prostitution and somehow crossed it into trophy girlfriend. And this is quite interesting because now they don't even need to have an income. They're constantly hopping from only people they want to date who are constantly competing for their attention because the attention pool is much larger. They've somehow transitioned prostitution from being a profession where it is about the money to what they are doing with Instagram modeling, being somebody who can take care of them emotionally and financially. This is mind boggling to people because they've done it ethically in a way where they can ethically date people in a way that wasn't possible 15 years ago and also get everything they want and need and carry it over. It's no longer, okay, I got the attention of, you know, a nice rich guy who's taking me on all these experiences. They document it, put it on their Insta or whatever. And then once they break up, they're on the market. Everyone knows and everyone wants to out impress them. They know what they just got. So now they're upgrading. So now people have to work harder to treat them right. Because if they don't, they know they can get something better almost instantly. This turns the entire, you know, world's oldest profession of prostitution on its head where no longer is it even you know, reasonably thinkable to think like, oh, that's a profitable way to make income. It's way more profitable to make it on your own as an Instagram influencer in a much more ethical way that is much more like dating than it is prostitution. And I mean, in in the process, they're getting gifts more than anything. And these gifts are more in experiences, which if they're a plus one, they're untaxable. That's quite fascinating where they can build an empire and their main currency is the currency of attention. Why is this important? Because the ideology of the baby boomers that has been instilled and in, I'd say most of Gen X is in direct conflict with this ethical advance that Gen Z isn't doing because they thought of it. They're doing it because they are this. Millennials have thought of this. We've talked about it. We've debated it ideologically. The fact of the matter is whether or not it's, you know, Instagram models, blockchain, decentralization, crypto, whether it's the future of the internet, whether it's dApps, whether it's whatever it is, they're doing it. And we have a choice. We, as millennials, we have the choice to either do with the generation that is right following in our immediate footsteps, but doesn't care to actually be like us. They care to be like themselves, which we were not taught as millennials. We were taught to be like you know, the generations that raised us when the baby boomers 
and Gen X weren't like that. They rebelled. But what's interesting is, is we can break this trend. We can communicate. We can try and work on healthy communication with Gen Z. Give them real empathy. And break this idea or this ideal, I should say, that generations have to be different, that they can't communicate. I say that we should throw out that ideal. I think that we should throw out the ideal that generations are different, that we can listen to people who think different and create a generation of thinkers. Regardless if you're Gen Z or if you want to call it iGen or Millennial or Gen X. Because it's not going to be long before the baby boomers are completely gone. Gen X is also running out of time. And they're going to be losing control. And we're going to have to meet a new generation. Probably two new generations And for the first time ever, we'll have four generations in the workplace at once. And this is something we need to prepare for because communication is going to be more important than ever because we need to do more than just tolerate. We need to empathize. We need to listen. We need to learn to work together And maybe advance beyond systems that have worked for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years that favor ideals over new ideas. Because we have ideas coming in at a rapid rate and ideals tend to want to stamp out ideas as long as possible. But ideas always survive and they always end up killing the ideals. It's only a matter of time. And hopefully the arguing of ideals versus ideas doesn't get so out of hand that people get hurt or killed. We can stop this trend because that is exactly what decentralized philosophy is about. Most people think decentralization is just cryptocurrency. That's not the case. Decentralized philosophy has become been growing from a seed that happened in around the 60s or 70s with computers was centralized by Steve Jobs to get to the point where everyone cared about computers. It was no longer the toy of the nerds because the creatives were able to understand why they would want a computer. It was no longer an engineered toy. People would use a computer without caring how it worked. That was something that was a good sense of control. But in nature, decentralization nurtures good ideas and stamps out bad ideas. This means ideals don't even need to exist to nurture good ideas. And this is very counterintuitive because it means we need to let go of control. Decentralization is coming whether or not we like it, whether or not we want it. And in essence, it's going to give more power to the people who prefer ideas over ideals. And ideals are going to lose more and more control and become more and more powerless. This is really important. Because decentralization 
is an opportunity for us to communicate a philosophy that doesn't need an ideal to exist. Decentralized philosophy is both the collective and the individual without preferring one over the other. It doesn't say that one needs to be preferred over the other even at any given time. They can both exist simultaneously in a way that's never been possible before. This was applied first to the financial sector with cryptocurrency, so most people think decentralization is cryptocurrency. No. Satoshi Nakamoto knew, as with the other people who were pushing decentralized tech, that money is what people care about. So... They applied it to the finance sector because cryptographers built decentralized tech. And for the most part, they were employed by the financial sector. And they decided to open source these tools for people's finances. But it's only a matter of time before these tools apply to other protocols we use in the world, such as identity. I mean, Identify is a protocol that can completely replace identification systems on both a state level, a national level, passports, all of it. And people don't see this, that there is no control necessary, so there's no way it can be abused or corrupted. And yet it's a free tool for everyone to use. It's not going to be much longer before every centralized infrastructure is threatened not by a takeover, but by an underthrow, where their foundation is shaken to the point where it crumbles and the rest just falls. Because without centralized currencies, you don't have centralized organizations, you don't have centralized ideals, you don't have centralized businesses, you don't have centralized finance, but you have finance, you have religion, you have human governance, you have all of these things, but they look so drastically different from what we know because they work more ethically by nature. They're heuristically built to check our own bias, to check our own beliefs at the door, and that doesn't affect it at all. Because it could never be swayed by bias or belief. And this is really important because this lets ethics advance in a way where you don't have to tear down a centralized system to rebuild it in a more ethical way. You have an ethical curve that starts to happen. And we're about to hit that exponential curve where ethics will get to the point where it redefines all the things that were ethically acceptable, like good control and bad control. That existed until about the 80s when things started becoming more and more decentralized with computing, internet, and now blockchain technologies, all of this combined. We get to a point where ethics is advancing to the point where it doesn't tolerate any level of control whether or not there is good control or bad control, it's a completely moot point. Because without control, there is no 
chance of corruption. And the only reason there's such a thing as good control is because control attracts bad control. So we need to define what is good control to try and mitigate the risk of bad control. But if there is no control to be had, only good ideas manifest. Because if there's no control, there's no need to enforce. And you can't enforce a good idea. And any idea that needs to be enforced is bad. And this is something we seem to have forgotten or we weren't taught. I don't know. But this decentralized philosophy starts with us communicating in a way that is going to be very uncomfortable because we have been pushed down into the most narcissistic civilizations that the earth has ever seen. Where we want to be understood, but we don't know how to listen to other people or ourselves. We don't know how to listen to our needs. We only know how to listen to our wants. And the saddest thing is, is our wants and needs are completely separate. But that's one of the things that was the wisdom of the silent generation that raised the baby boomers. Their wants were their needs because they were raised in extreme trial. So they didn't really want more than their needs. And this is very important because we are not trained to think of our needs as being any different as things that other people tell us we should want. And unless we learn to communicate with each other and start by learning to communicate with ourselves, which starts by listening to ourselves And it's just a constant series of letting go of things, letting go of expectations, letting go of feelings, not emotions. Feelings and emotions are different. Feelings don't serve us to a positive, better nature where emotions are at our core. Our feelings can betray us. Our emotions are there. Our emotions can have us cry and laugh at a funeral. Our emotions are inconvenient. Feelings betray us by telling us that the inconvenience of emotions has gotten out of control and they abuse us. And if we set these things aside, these expectations, these self-limiting beliefs, our feelings, and go after our thoughts, our emotions, and listen to ourselves, have empathy with ourselves. That will lead to compassion with ourselves, empathy for others, compassion for others, in a way where we know we have to take care of our own needs before we can ever help people take care of their needs. And right now, everyone's giving way more to other people that they're breaking, and they might be doing it for all the right reasons. But sometimes you have to be selfish for a little while to understand how not to be selfish when taking care of yourself. If your goal to take care of yourself is to give in to selfish wants, you need to ask yourself, am I doing things wrong? These are really, really hard questions to ask because we're all terrified of being wrong because we were trained to be terrified of being wrong. 
And we want people to coddle us through this. And maybe we could have in the past. And maybe that was how things worked in the past. But things are moving too fast. We have to condition ourselves to just not give a fuck. That doesn't mean not care. It means you don't give a fuck about the things that don't really matter. The things that betray you, the things that tax you emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Most of these things we do to ourselves and in circle and just direct consequence we do to others because if we do it to ourselves we set the precedence that's it it's acceptable and we do it to others and it's just it's sad to see and i know we can do better i know that we can communicate more and it's going to be hard work it's going to be really hard work but if we don't do it another generation will and we'll have missed our chance to be a part of one of the most amazing growths that humanity has ever seen. A growth of ethics, a growth of commerce, a growth of spirituality in a way that levels up everything that we know to things that we have been trained to never expect better than anything that has ever happened. And that's just wrong. It really is. Because if something worse than the worst thing that's ever happened can happen again, something better than the best thing that's ever happened can happen. That's just how it works. Taleb talks about this in his books like Anti-Fragile. And this is, this is where things are going. Whether or not we like it, whether or not we want it, whether or not we think it's right, it doesn't matter. It's happening. It's happening whether or not we're looking. And for most of the world, it's happening in the places that they're not looking. And if they are looking at the right places, they don't know how to see decentralization. That's probably the most fascinating thing. I was in cryptocurrency for years. I think I've been paying attention to it for almost five years now. And I didn't even see decentralization for what it was, a philosophy, until this year. I was a miner. I was a trader. I was a speculator. I was a consultant. And somehow even focusing diligently On decentralized tech, I missed decentralized philosophy. And this is really, really interesting. Because it's answering all the questions we have. But it's not one answer. It's our own answers. It helps us ask the right questions so we can find the right answers. Decentralization allows us all to have our own ideas. And it tolerates all ideas equally. It doesn't tolerate ideals, so that means it doesn't tolerate radical ideals. It stamps out things like terrorism. And it only leaves room for the good ideas. This is quite fascinating because I started seeing a whole new world in 
the crypto sphere, realizing that some of the most promising cryptographic algorithms don't have anything to do with currency protocols. And these are the ones that have, you know, less than seven years from drastically changing the world to taking away control by underthrowing it, not overthrowing it. We have never seen a true underthrow in anything other than business where empires topple because things shift. That's what happened with Apple. Apple underthrew IBM because it was no longer about super centralized computing with mainframes. It was now even more decentralized with personal computers. And even though Steve Jobs was centralized in the way he organized a company, he was promoting more decentralization in a way that the computer nerds that understood the decentralized philosophy didn't want it to be so centralized that there was even a right way to build a computer. This is something, it was a transition. And we've been transitioning again from the internet as we know it to decentralized internets. It can solve problems that we see in centralized organizations on the internet, such as Google or Facebook. Google is a public, public service that is owned by a private company. This is not much different than a public service that's owned by a corrupt government. It's really not. But it can exist in decentralized space and never run the risk of being corrupted. <laughs> Same thing with Facebook. I mean, decentralized social media is coming. I mean, it's it's already built and they're growing. It's only to a point where they have more of people's attention than the existing centralized platforms. That will be a huge shift because people will ask, okay, who gets the money from this platform? When they realize it's, it's no one organization, no one person owns it. It's a public service that is uncontrolled. People will start to question what next. And we can either start thinking about decentralized philosophy now to help this new generation. As millennials, we can help Gen Z understand what we created. Because essentially we created blockchain as we know it. Our generation has manifested something from the internet that will replace it and improve it ethically. And it all starts with communication, setting our bias aside, setting our beliefs of what's right aside, and truly listening. Because I think we would be surprised at how close what Gen Z's wants and needs are. So much closer than millennials were trained. Way closer than Gen X was trained. And almost incomprehensible compared to baby boomers. And this is quite interesting because this didn't happen because they were trained to align their wants and their needs. It happened because of their environment, just like the silent generation. And interestingly enough, they get shit on because they are overtly silent compared to the way that the baby boomers and 
the Generation X know how to communicate in the physical world. And Gen Z are brilliant communicators in digital space. They are silent in traditional senses. Where they are bad at communicating person to person. That will get better over time. Just like baby boomers and Gen X have gotten better over time with technology. It's going to happen. But the fact of the matter is they're not silent. The silent generation was truly silent. But Gen Z is louder than any other generation in the world. And we only believe that they're silent from the outside in the physical world. This is something that needs to be taken very seriously, especially if you're a millennial. Because the attention economy has nothing to do with money, but it is more powerful than any money economies. And this is why they're dominating and everybody's busy and hustling, trying to understand why. Gary V understands, lots of people understand. Jeremy Rifkin understands, but no one knows how to listen because we stopped listening to ourselves. And we can start again. It will be wildly uncomfortable. It will be the hardest thing that millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers have ever done. But I can guarantee you, we have a thing or two to learn from Gen Z. Our systems don't work for them. We should let them build something better. Because what will happen is a world of good ideas, beyond ideals that have served us up until this point. But we can do something better. Something that we've never seen before. Something that's been never been possible before because we have new tools that have never existed just as America would have never happened if it were not for the tool of the printing press plain and simple it would not have happened and now we have the internet cell phones which is is going to have as big an impact as the printing press. The same way the printing press changed religion, it changed business, it changed government, the internet is going to change civilization beyond anything that's ever worked before. To the point where things that work great are going to have a completely better option, where that great option is now wrong because of how the evolution of ideas work. So let's see where there's see where this goes. Realize that we have trust issues. If you don't know how to listen, I know we can we can hear people and memorize what they say, compare it to what we believe, but that's not really listening. Listening is empathy. It's understanding beyond our own bias and setting aside our beliefs and truly listening with compassion. And we can do it. We can do it. I say that we should sit down 
with each other, especially with a Gen Z, and listen to this unearned wisdom that they have. They're not going to have all the data to explain in a way that's going to seem sufficient for us. So we should not rely on them to explain things in a way that will make sense to us. We need to explain things to ourselves. Understand that they have wisdom that we earned for them. Just as the same way as the silent generation had wisdom that was earned for them by their parent generation and the generation before that. They did not earn it themselves. They just were that wisdom. Let's start listening. It's what the Library of Alexandria Project is about. It's about self-directed education, non-centralized, completely decentralized, through empathy, listening, understanding, in a way that combines everything from mental health to mental wellness to education, not schooling. Schooling is a bad experiment and it's failing rapidly. It served its role, but now it's failing rapidly. Education no longer needs school. It needs us to listen and learn how to have confidence in ourselves, trust ourselves, so we know who who to trust and who not to trust, which seems to be a notorious issue that is plaguing our societies today. We trust the loudest person with, you know, the least transparency. And we get abused constantly by it. When we're never going to learn how to trust people and discern who to trust and who not to trust until we learn to trust ourselves. The bad part is, is the generations before Gen Z were trained wrong on this. I didn't believe that I was bad at trusting people until I realized that I was just like everyone else. And we were all, we're all bad at trusting people because we don't really trust ourselves. It's not to say that Gen Z doesn't have Some of these downfalls, it doesn't mean that they're perfect or there's some sort of miracle. They have a lot of these same issues. But for whatever reason, they have a lot of the wisdom that comes from their circumstances that, you know, the silent generation did. And we saw in context of their entire life that they were profoundly wise. They seemed dumb, uneducated because they were unschooled or they lived on the streets for a good while. It's it's realizing that they are falling into the same assumptions as the wisest generation of the last century, but they just haven't had their time yet. But they are having their time in digital space where people don't care about how old you are or you can do things anonymously. And this is really, really important that we understand that their ideas are just as wise as the silent generation, which led to the greatest growth of the last century. And now we're manifesting 
through the same cycle, the same ingredients, that the same things are about to happen. We're about to skyrocket past anything good we've ever seen happen before and have ethical checks and balances that isn't up to trusting other people. It just is. It just exists. This should be really hopeful. This is really hopeful. I used to be really down and depressed about the state of the world and the future of the world. Now I realize by letting go, I've learned how to trust. I've learned how to have empathy. I've learned how to separate my feelings from my emotions. I've learned how to separate my beliefs and theories from real thoughts. I've learned how to navigate myself. I've learned how to do things I didn't think were ever possible for me. I had truly believed were not going to be possible for me. And I should let go of the hope or expectation that I should ever accomplish these things. And interestingly enough, when I truly let go, those things started happening. This was unintentional. But it was a product of my circumstances. And this is something that is applicable to every single person on this earth. And it's going to be easier for the millennials than Gen X. It's going to be easier for Gen X than the baby boomers. And it's going to be easier for Gen Z than it is for all of those other generations. But what's going to make it really, really seem less hard is when we start being more honest with each other and we can be more open about our vulnerabilities, realize none of us got it right. No generation has ever gotten it right. It's all an experiment. It's all a human experiment. Everyone's trying to get it right and the only time we seem to get it the most wrong is when we don't set aside our selfish prides so let's start realize we're not going to be good at it right off the bat but let's start realize that it's going to be long and hard you know michael scott would probably make a joke about that but it's it's true It's going to be really hard. It's going to take longer than we could ever expect until hindsight comes into play and we realize it happened quicker than we could have ever planned for. Just start letting it go. Of as many resources as we've collected yet for these things, check them out at theeducationaldarkweb.com and please, please, Explore these materials in depth. They are free to use. They will always be free to use. And I hope it inspires you to create your own, you know, library of consciousness. Start creating a representation of your ideas, whether or not they're right or wrong. Explore yourself. Because who knows, maybe maybe your ideas are wrong right now. But all it takes is a while of talking about them, a while of people saying that they're wrong until you figure out how to get people to stop saying that they're wrong. And then it's only a matter of time before other people start thinking different. I think we're 
at a shift in human evolution, spiritual evolution, mental evolution, that is going to take us to a really exciting and hopeful place. It's not a utopia. There's definitely a lot more hope than I've ever experienced in my life looking into what's happening despite the fact that everyone's trying to control it out of existence. Things are growing. Whether or not we like it, whether or not we think we can do better, things are changing. Thank you for listening to this. Please check out any of my other podcasts if you want to explore what the plan for library of alexandria project is beyond education check out our decentralized podcast on on this channel this is another episode of deep thoughts and i thank you for joining me i want to thank you if you made it through this podcast This was unscripted, going just purely off of memory. So there are some errors in here where I get timelines and labels mixed up. Specifically, the most I can remember are with Baby Boomers and Gen X. So some of those timelines I I mislabeled, and I apologize about that. If you like this and want more clarification, I am going to be writing an article on this soon. So keep an eye out for that at theeducationaldarkweb.com. You can find that under the blog slash medium tab and check out our publication on Medium. Thank you very much.